Hi there. Two quick things at the beginning. Want to remind you that we will be at the Midwest Gaming Classic in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, this coming April 3rd and 4th, and I believe the 5th as well. Whatever that Sunday and Saturday are, uh, I say them backwards because I'm cool. We would love to see you. We are doing a panel with the Retronauts. It'll be a good time. Um, also, we are able to go and do those live shows because of the support of people like Ben Relliford, Zane Thistleford, Joshua D. Hanks, Gordon, and Devin Villant. They have all gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv and supported this show and the entire Duckfeed network. That is patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, and we extend our sincerest thanks. Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are talking about XCOM Enemy Unknown, which is a strategy game developed by Firaxis and published by 2K for the PC and consoles in 2012. I'm back on a regular microphone. I know. No um, longer on the backup, baby. <laughs> you're on the same microphone that I'm on. Yeah, it's weird. I, I mean, I uh, <laughs> I recommended it because I like it. It's a good microphone. Yeah. It's it's uh you know I'm looking at it. It's uh it seems all right. Okay. <laughs> I don't know who this character is. <laughs> nice microphone. Seems all right. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, you know, thanks thanks to patrons. Yes. For uh you know funding this venture and allowing me to buy equipment when I have catastrophic equipment sa- uh, failure. Mm-hmm. And uh, rest in peace, Rhodes Podcaster. Yes. Um, also big hail. thanks to specific patron nicholas gardner yes uh who is the person who executive produced this episode um this is our premium episode for february uh and boy it's gonna be a weird one it is gonna be weird it's a spicy one yeah but it's something that we've had on the list to do for ever a very long time yeah like back when we were retro uh retro only we talked about doing like the original 90s ones um mm-hmm. and then this version got incredibly popular and we've been looking at it doing it uh, ever since. So Yeah. And uh you know this is uh this is a great game. It's wonderful. It's keeping our uh you know our 2020 streak of bangers. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels good. Yeah. Uh no, this is uh the, the, this this is fantastic. I had a really good time with this. Uh which is good cuz you know, you spend a lot of time with this game in order to like see everything and get it <laughs> yeah to to kind of grok it and and it's worth noting um a couple of things you know just about that one uh is that you know i assume that you played through this on normal yep yeah uh so did i uh this game you know we're in tactics year which mm-hmm. means that uh every once in a while we might run into some tactics wonks mm. um and this game does have a dark souls-esque 
culture of difficulty masochism around it. Yes. Uh, that I've noticed. So just throwing that disclaimer out there. Yeah. If that, you're uh, if you're a classic yeah. Iron Man, please understand that we're doing a survey of this. Yeah, it's a survey. And also, like, call us tactic, baby. Mm-hmm. Like baby tactics, which is a <laughs> DS game. I like imagine baby tactics. Mm. I would play. <laughs> yeah. But like, uh, you know, call us tactics, babies. Do as you will. Like, I have more XCOM in my future. I can imagine having a lot of fun upping the difficulty mm-hmm. on this game like that is this is the type of game that actually works for me yeah um but this was the first time i beat it i'd, I'd stalled out a couple times on it and yeah. the uh you know i wanted to see the complete game so what what i'm trying to head off is the you didn't do the real uh version of this yeah you know, kind, of, kind of feedback because that and, and you know this it sounds like it's a straw man but i've like legitimately seen it it is a thing mm-hmm. with this game like there is one real way to play it and there is a bunch of fake baby ways to play it and if you play one of the fake baby ways you are a fake baby yeah and uh, i am real baby and also uh you know it's a bad way to look at games um yeah uh, understand that you know we're we're coming at this for an audience who is really similar to you know what we were before we kind of came to this. And like, in my case, I spent mm, 55 hours in it. I think I would need to yeah, check steam, a, something like that. It's a lot uh, game. Yeah. Uh, and the fun we had was mm-hmm. not fake. No, just because no. we were pushing ourselves to the tactical limit. Right. You know? So like I came to this and, enjo- you know, having enjoyed in the past turn-based strategy games, um, you know, t- tactical combat kind of stuff. Um, and like the process of getting on board with this, you know, definitely was trial by fire. I think I had two abortive campaigns where I just did a complete restart and used my knowledge to get myself a better footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really save scum that much. Mm-mm. I, I play this in a way that I, I've somebody on the Slack referred to as bronze man. Mm. Like there's Iron Man, but then there's bronze man, which is like. I do a save at the beginning of a mission. Mm-hmm. If I have like a catastrophic failure or something happens that just feels incredibly unfair. Yeah. You know, and, and unfair meaning not like I miss a shot with a 90% chance to hit. I mean, you know, the way that the turns work out is someone throws a grenade that blows up a car that kills like two of my dudes. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I just didn't get the chance to move because I think that the mm-hmm. way the cars blow up in this game is a little bit wonky. Yeah. Uh, I'd restart, but I rolled with deaths. Mm-hmm. You know, I I let you know team members die yeah uh in it and the game has some anti-save scumming you know kind of uh kind of things in place for it as well mm-hmm. um but I, I liked playing it kind of you know bronze man yeah you know quote unquote it's like how i do immersive sims as well like a lot of the time mm-hmm. as opposed to writing the quick save it's like do a quick save before you do you know kind of a string of things create checkpoints for yourself yes you know don't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, don't read this as us being defensive, like read this as us defining who this is for. Yeah. I setting think. expectations is, yeah. is good. Yeah. You know. um, the episode, speaking of setting expectations, the episode is going to be a little bit of a weird one because though this game does have uh, a narrative to it, um, it does resist our normal treatment. So kind of the first half of this episode, since this is our premium episode. Um, you know, there's a public version and a uh, Patreon version and the public version is going to be talking about the general kind of shape of the game, um, its premise, its history, um, the general flow of it. And then in the back half, we're going to be talking about units and, uh, aliens and story missions and types of missions and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to our into the breach episode is probably the closest thing. Yes. Uh, this will be. Yeah. 
Um, and this is a very mechanically intricate game. I think intricate is probably the best word for it. Uh, mm -hmm. could be complex or complicated. I think intricate is right because everything touches everything else. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a box of build. It's a, it's a big, you know, creative building blocks. Mm -hmm. You know, that the game randomly assembles, like there are roguelike elements to this almost like yeah. the game randomly assembles terrain, the mission types you'll get during a month, mm -hmm. the types of enemies that'll populate that mission. Yeah. And uh, you kind of have to roll with that within like a certain constrained and increasingly widening gyre of possibility space as you like <laughs> unlock more and more types of uh, foes and, and mission types. Yeah, as the uh, as the invasion proceeds. Additionally, by way of ex expectation setting, we are going to be talking about the enemy within expansion. Uh, mm -hmm. You just kind of alongside interleaved with stuff, you know, please understand that we don't call this call a particular thing, a particular thing out as being from enemy within. Uh, which released in 2013, the content melds really seamlessly with oh, the it, main campaign. It's great. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, this is the best yeah, way seems, to do like this kind of thing. Totally. It, it seems like it was made for it. Like this yeah. feels like it obviates, you know, uh, enemy unknown, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so in this uh, in this game, you play as uh, the commander <laughs> of uh, XCOM, which is a multinational extra governmental organization assembled to combat the threat of extraterrestrials. Yep. You are working for a shadowy, shadowy organization called the Council. You, know, mm -hmm. you never see the face of the person who talks to you. Good. Yeah, no, they're fine. <laughs> they're... It's very Council of 13 Venture Brothers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> extremely that yeah <laughs> uh but as the commander you both kind of micro and macro manage the affairs of XCOM. uh you know going as far you know micro as to order the movement of individual troops on missions uh but you're also like deciding how to use XCOM's resources to kind of expand your base and research new technologies mm -hmm. and that's XCOM's trick yeah like and, th and this was XCOM's trick in the 90s mm -hmm. as well right so like this is uh, phenomenally done. Yes. The, the way that you are managing these two different scales mm -hmm. um, is something that is not done very often in games and almost never done this well. Yes. Um, it is also something that tends to be like, you know, I mentioned this is an XCOM thing in the 90s. This is like the purview of strategy games on the PC almost. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you run into this outside of this kind of genre specifically, you end up with things kind of like, like ActRaiser almost. Yeah, is like the the pop console version of these two things integrating, but it's not nearly as as seamless. Um, the loop of let's do some stuff in the base, let's go do a mission that then feeds into the base, which feeds into the mission, mm -hmm. is fucking incredible. Yes, uh, the one more turn aspect <laughs> of this game is just like irresistible yeah like it, it is really hard to put this game down. Yeah, each each little like individual like you know kind of atom of game in this leads into the next one incredibly seamlessly seamless is going to be the watchword for this yeah. episode i think and the way that um both failures and successes cascade and mm -hmm. you know the consequences of you know a, a slip up or a victory uh kind of slip into everything that comes next builds this huge sense of momentum in both in both senses of the word right momentum yeah. and inertia and and that can be positive or negative right yes. like you mentioned a couple of restarts um this is a game where uh it is possible to like fuck yourself over oh yeah 
like and and just really you know there's a lose condition for this <laughs> you know uh there, there are a couple of them you can fuck yourself over you have to kind of think of those first couple runs as learning it and it's it's one of these things it reminds me a lot of um making the closest game nope because <laughs> uh, i don't throw away food for no reason okay all right <laughs> yeah and i can eyeball a pancake okay. i don't understand why i like i saw i know that's your thing and then i saw other people reference it and i still think it feels so fucking alien to me yeah. like it's not hard <laughs> I don't, like i'm not trying to brag and like no well, no not the perfect i understand pancake, you're an, an, edible pancake an mlg breakfast cook over here <laughs> just an edible pancake is not a high bar to clear uh, <laughs> so uh, i was gonna say it's like darkest dungeon yeah um in that like uh you have to if you enjoy the loop of it like if mm-hmm. you know the combat the the body of this thing if you're into that uh that is your key to unlocking xcom because mm-hmm. you can't think of this game as something that you're necessarily going to win or succeed on on the first try mm-hmm. you have to enjoy the process of learning and practicing and like doing that over and over and over yeah uh and luckily like you know for me is that uh process isn't fucking incredible like it's, mm-hmm. it's really really fun yeah so doing those couple failed runs of getting to know this and wrestling with the kind of downside of that momentum or inertia mm-hmm. uh was a joy just as much as it was a joy to get to the other side of it and being like i can build some positive inertia because <laughs> i know how valuable satellites are yes oh my god and once you kind of like hit that tipping point and yes. you you kind of get that upper hand and kind of the rich become richer as far as your development and combat goes. That is so, so rewarding uh, as a feeling. Feels good. Just like when, 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 like when you understand that, like, yes, I can actually like stomp on this now and I am no longer like selling, uh, selling sectoid bodies in order to get the last three dollars to research this thing. The weird Johnny <laughs> buying sectoid bodies for yeah. some reason. He's going to fuck you them. Know? Yeah, he's definitely gonna fuck him. Like yeah. that's basically the gray market. Yeah, like, yeah. So you're on to fuck a weapon fragment. Well, now you can. <laughs> yeah. That's still warm. <laughs> so it's, that's it's hotter than a ten dollar laser baby. The <laughs> um, yeah, I'm ten dollar laser baby. Uh, <laughs> I'm not into uh, this age play thing you've been on across the network <laughs> recently. The, the baby thing is just like I don't know. Yeah, uh, babies are funny to me. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, you know, not having to, uh, as you, as you mentioned, like no longer having to to sell that stuff. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about that is it mirrors the arc of the narrative. Yes. Like this this game, and this is getting into you know the premise a little bit here, but and it's kind of all over the place. But it is the rare game that gave me some oorah feelings. Yeah. Yeah. I never feel that in video games. Mm-hmm. Like you, you give me like a military or earth force versus aliens. Like, you know, Kami Pinko Gary is just like, well, the earthlings are probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, like where, where's the, where's the narrative that we're the monsters? Like we have to be basically we're horrible. Yeah. And, and this game, like, I was just like, yeah, fuck yes. Like, yeah. you know, and you'd have, you know, commander of the aliens, you know, their days are numbered. There's a, there's a one specific line read. I love from your main nerd. Mm-hmm. who's like, I wonder if it was all worth it. For the aliens, I mean. <laughs> I'm like, man, I fucking love that. Like, yep. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I was going to cite Independence Day as like a, yeah. you know, a triumph against, against the invaders kind of story. Um, yeah. It's, it, it works really, really well. You get invested. You know, I got invested in my crew, <laughs> like yeah. my A team and my B team. That's partially because I named and modeled them after people from the network. Well, you got to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so step one. Uh, yeah. n- n- name uh, name a character after you say you care if it dies. Yeah, 
Oh, it's like we we all learn that from Silence of the Lambs, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just keep keep saying the victim's name, so you'll think of them as a human. Yep. Um. So you're part of this organization. Um. You do this micro and macro affairs as well. Um. The base part is mostly about researching. Um. Either new equipment for mm-hmm. your units, different benefits, um, different uh, buildings, uh, things that feed into the like weakest part of the game, I think, which is like the the dog fighting oh yeah that feels so throwaway yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to that and that yeah. is like not updated since the 90s xcom really right um that kind of thing and then that feeds into your soldiers mm-hmm. you know who then use that equipment to go out and actually do tactical battles killing aliens gives them uh resources which they then bring back which you use for research and building things mm-hmm. as well as levels yes yeah you are kind of growing a crew uh, with veterans, uh, essentially, yeah. they, they 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 rise in rank, and you get to customize them. And we'll talk about mm-hmm. that in the back half when we talk about the different classes and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it's very very similar to Darkest Dungeon. If you think of this, like I had an A team and a B team more or less, and eventually that faded. Yeah. And the the big breakthrough for this and Darkest Dungeon for me was to think that I'm running the the roster. I'm not running a team. Mm-hmm. You know, you want a deep bench. And like yes. just being like, hey, I just I want all of these tools so mm-hmm. and I can look at a situation, assess it and throw yeah. the correct tools at it. And the way that it naturally encourages you to develop that deep bench is yeah, yeah. A, a thing of beauty, I think. Really good. Yeah, really good. Uh, Man, this is such a good game, Gary. <laughs> it's it's really man. I mean, like I, I beat it not too long ago and I, I'm already considering like, first of all, I've never I mean, this is getting way to the end, but never played the second one mm-hmm. and want to, even though it's supposed to be very hard. But maybe that's the difficulty ramp up I'm, I'm interested in. Yeah. I also like really wanted to just restart uh, a thing on hard, you know, the yeah. next difficulty up and just see like, yeah, could I handle that? Because mm-hmm. I know what to do now. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing so what to ahead. do matters a lot, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we already talked about the difficulty stuff. Kind of the big axis that I see everybody talk about is Iron Man or not Iron Man. Because everything is so chance based, in addition to, you know, the tactical decisions that you make, uh, reloading, you know, will be a temptation. Uh, it's up, up to you to manage that. Well, the, the reloading also, it has limited efficacy. In, yeah. in the base game, um, roles are deterministic. So, like, mm-hmm. once you, uh, and what I mean by that is, like, if you roll a shot and miss, mm-hmm. if you reload from right before that, you'll still miss. Right. It codes your roles in advance. There's a way to turn that off in something called second wave options, which we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, save scumming is to like not do a thing, right? If you if you save scum, and really all I would do save scumming for was again being able to restart a mission if uh, it went absolutely catastrophically, yeah, um, or just for nonsense. So there is kind of a compromise for it, but. Iron Man playthroughs of this are, you know, a little bit of a gamer badge. So we should get started by talking about the tactical combat, because this is where you're going to spend the majority of your time here. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of in these turn-based, you know, tile-based or grid-based um, uh, combat missions around the world in both rural and urban areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, specific uh, unit types and enemy units, mission types are going to go in the back half of this. For now, we're going to talk about... Real basic stuff, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping, you know, people determine like this will be kind of, you know, this game has a reputation for being super tough. This will be a game, you know, episode of service for some people. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, there are people who just don't have tactics brain and that is OK. Mm-hmm. Um, so the game takes place on a bri- uh, grid, uh, but everything is fully 3D. Right. So it is uh, three dimensional. Um, there is elevation, things like that that you need. And the default camera is pretty cinematic, um, both between uh, kind of showing your area and sweeping it around. And then these little kind of cutscenes that will play. Yeah. 
Um, sometimes when you move. I was happy that you were able to turn that off, although I did not find a way to turn off the slow-mo. So, oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I just wanted to uh, eventually, like, the cinematic camera lost lost its value for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of wanted to be able to iterate rapidly uh, through uh, through combat. But yeah, oh, wireframe. Like, yeah, wireframe. Yeah, to let me let me see, let me, like make decisions and see results and take everything out um, mm-hmm. in between that. Um, but yeah, you're here. You're commanding up to six units. Um, you start out with four, and you have the ability to like research officer tech, uh, which I guess means getting extra seats for the <laughs> for the plane. <laughs> it's like it's like, commander. We've unlocked the bunk bed. <laughs> <laughs> commander, the couch folds out. <laughs> commander, the aliens are using Murphy beds. With this technology, we can. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you control them and you have the ability to perform uh, two actions in one round. But this is constrained in a way that will really inform your decisions. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so generally, uh, attacking or using an item ends the round. Um, there are perks to get around this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you move, then act. Um, this is a big deal. Yes. Uh, you know, those perks that allow you to subvert that can be very powerful. Mm hmm. You know, uh, the other thing is your soldiers perform all their actions in one go, then the enemy goes. There isn't like an initiative order uh, to this game, mm-hmm. you know, so it's similar to Into the Breach like that, not like Final Fantasy Tactics. Right. Uh, so you move, then act. Um, notably, if you uh, move, you can, uh, before you act, you can switch to a different soldier. So if you want to get a bunch of people into place or use somebody to like aggro a certain group of enemies, uh, you can do that. Um, yeah, you have you have complete control yeah. over who's doing what when, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so like we said, uh shooting will end around. Um, and using powerful weapons like sniper rifles or rocket launchers will require two action points. So you cannot move or fire them in the same round, again, unless you have an ability. Yes. Um, so, uh, because this is a not a very melee focused game, even though there is melee, mm-hmm. uh Cover, flanking, and invisibility is incredibly important. Right. Uh, line of sight, things like that. Um, there are two types of cover. Mm-hmm. There's full and half. Um, certain cover is destructible. Right. Um, this is worth mentioning because I don't know where else it is. I mean, I don't know if you got a, a presentation bullet point here. Um, <laughs> the destructible environments of this uh, play into the kind of cinematic camera of this in just like a wonderful way. I love it. <laughs> if everything around you wasn't blowing up all the time, this mm-hmm. wouldn't look nearly as cool. Yes. God, it sells like the threat, though. It sells it, the threat and the power so well. It really does. Like, especially when, you, uh, you, you know, you are using regular ordnance and the enemies are using like plasma. And yeah. like, you know, I shoot them and like, OK, nothing. They shoot me. And even if they miss, those things are still powerful enough to bring down the side of a building. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> an Arby's right behind me collapsing <laughs> because a thin man missed is so satisfying and cool looking. Yep god it's good yeah and it's not just like presentational it does play into like the tactics like hiding behind fragile cover not necessarily a good idea like you know an explosion can change the topography of a map you know and you can use that tactically against the enemy to destroy their cover tactics 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 yeah Yeah. i hope you're ready for us to gush about this we should have said that toward the beginning um but yeah uh cover is good you know it mitigates your um uh just chance to hit and also the the uh, you know chance that an enemy will critical uh you know do a critical hit on you uh this is a small numbers rpg you know like you end up you're you're dealing with hp in the tens not in the hundreds as it is 
Um, also height matters quite a bit. You know, when you're making your move, you can, um, you know, climb up, you know, drainage pipes and things like that, or jump down. It's uh very dynamic, very three-dimensional maps. Yeah. Um, the game is kind of infamous for, uh, critical hits. Yeah. Um, so critical hits, uh, do a lot more damage, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, since time immemorial, critical mm-hmm. hits have met one thing. <laughs> They're a really important part of this game, uh, mitigating them, enemies being immune to them, um, banking on them and getting hit by them. Mm-hmm is huge. Um, there's also this element of, you know, when you uh, attack, you get information on your chance to hit. Yes. Uh, yes. That is another infamous part of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's the, that, uh, you know, the hard times that I'm generally skeptical of had the, you know, XCOM player uh, uncertain about 99% okay Cupid match, <laughs> uh, which is pretty funny. That's very good. Um, yeah. You know, pretty good uh, joke. There's a, there's a good article. Somebody in Slack posted it and I do not know how to begin searching for it, but I read like a pretty good breakdown of specifically how this lies to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how it like influences the percentage to make, to make, you know, a 70% chance to hit feel different on different, uh, different difficulty levels. Yes, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it it is a real like you will you will have, uh, you know, that that uh, example bias, mm-hmm. you know, or anything like that, where you, you will constantly be like, how could I miss 375 hits in a row? Yeah. You know, I've rolled dice. Mm-hmm. This is dumb. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is a feeling. But if you uh, one of the things I in my bla- breakthrough playthrough, this mm-hmm. one that I beat it, I was like, I'm going to notice when that works for me. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a, a conscious effort to notice that when like the enemy seems like they have a sure shot on me and they miss, mm-hmm. uh, and feel good about that as well, and not just feel horrendous when I like miss what <laughs> seems like a sure shot. Yeah, you know. Uh, additionally, like if you miss too many times in a row, it'll give you one. Like they're yeah, it gives like you an automatic the, hit. Yeah, there there's there are certain ways that it uh again just the 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 ways that it lies to you to make percentages feel different eventually it broke down to like a heuristic you know like if a direct if if a direct shot on somebody was like less than 50 percent and it was not life or death i would like set that player to overwatch so they would shoot somebody when they were out of cover stuff like yeah. that you just end up like finding by finding a uh, a reckon that works for like you. order of operations for yeah. it yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. um so uh explosives uh kind of will mitigate your that chance to hit uh, mm-hmm. Those are done differently. They're free aimed and they have an AOE. They have a 90% chance to hit, which is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can still miss. Uh, I love that. I love when you just like biff it. Yep. Yeah, I did uh, one time uh, me and some friends uh, got a hold of the anarchist cookbook mm-hmm. as a .txt file in early internet days. Yeah. And we built a uh, a little bomb out of a two liter soda bottle with like aluminum and acid. Okay. And things, right? Yeah. So we, we went out to the park to uh, to blow up a part of the park <laughs> yeah, to, blow, to blow up civic property. Yeah. Yeah. To blow up some civic property. <laughs> and, uh, I went to go throw this bomb and I threw it underhand. Uh-oh. You know? Uh, and it scraped the bottom and just landed right at my feet. <laughs> like I, I missed the 90% on this thing. Oh. Uh, and then we all ran, like it was going to, you know, going to absolutely kill us. And it just, you know, caused this like big pop. Yeah. Right. No, like it no. was, it was not a, not a bomb in a traditional sense. No, no. More um, of a noisemaker. But, but it was a very, funny scary thing yeah. yeah it definitely made a mess like i definitely fucked up some grass yeah so like the, all those grass are going to grow up to like kill bill me mm, yeah. you know <laughs> all their children their children get children. pissed off the triffids man the 400 grass you meet in heaven that kill you <laughs> <laughs> um oh geez but yeah it's funny but, when you like biff explosives. It. yeah but yeah, yeah. Um, and explosives like we said they will uh kind of let you change the shape of the map 
uh you have access to these like right away um you know early on basically your choice for carried items comes down to either um either a med kit or a grenade and grenades will you know always let you do this and the uh the, there's a trade off about this because if you blow up an enemy you get fewer resources. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that is the magic of XCOM is that uh one it handles the uh, risk versus reward you know basic element of video game choice thing you know better than than most games and in many many different situations. Mm-hmm. The other thing it does is usually when it gives you a choice you want both the things. Yes. Um, you know, and this aspect of it is it is easiest and safest to blow up enemies a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, you're going to get the fewest resources. It's even harder to take these enemies alive, mm-hmm. but you're going to get to be able to steal their stuff. Yeah. You know, like how much do you feel like risking the lives of your soldiers in exchange for the greater good and the long term mission? Yeah. Being constantly put under that choice is a really fun thumbscrew to live <laughs> yeah i just I, I i love playing this as like a disaster and risk manager yes. basically it is a constant just like basically doing triage and free fall is what the mm-hmm. first half of this game is like oh yeah 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 uh fog of war is a, a big part of the game mm-hmm. um if no team member can see something then you can't really see it you can still see the topography for a little while mm-hmm. but not uh the things within it right um, you know, like you will generally see like roughly where something is moving if you're close enough, but don't have like a particular, you know, but don't have their, their exact position. Um, mm-hmm. it always makes the alien activity sound. Uh, yeah. When yeah. Moving. And you can, I think you're hearing them <clears throat> yes. is the idea. Yeah. Um, additionally, uh, the fog of war is important for spawning enemies onto maps. Uh, it is not like every enemy on a map is active right when you drop down into it. There are things called alien pods. These are not like hardware. This is actually like little groups of enemies, like like pods of porpoises, right? Mm-hmm. Little groups of enemies that only become active when you discover them. Um, the majority of these, it looks like you caught them pooping. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. Of, I really do wonder what they're up to. Yeah, they like they, they look at you like bull. Hanging <laughs> out. <laughs> like, does nobody knock on this planet? It's <laughs> like. Commander, you've caught the aliens masturbating yet again. The uh, Countess so, has faith in your so ability fil- to watch them, J.O. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this, is a, this is a filthy episode. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, but yeah, so so they run. So what this is designed to do is to make you play cautiously. Right. Uh, this is like, in terms of tactics, this is like the anti-Bloodborne. This is much closer <laughs> to like Dark Souls or Demon Souls. Like you are going to want to, uh, like there is room for aggressive, aggressive tactics, mm-hmm. but spawning too many, you know, eat the food you have on your plate first. Yeah. If, if you spawn too many of these pods, that mm-hmm. is a really good way to get overwhelmed and start losing soldiers. Yes. Um, and and part of the reason why I think this game resonates with me so well is that I am a natural, you know, naturally very conservative video game player. Right. Like I, I like to play video games cautiously and uh, take things apart piece by piece. And this game rewards that mm-hmm. in a big way. Yeah. No, you definitely I, I'm definitely um, an Overwatch turtler. And yeah. there are things that they do to discourage that. And there are particular kinds of missions where that is suicide. Uh, this yes. is something that would be that that is a tactic that would be wildly discouraged in XCOM 2. That's my understanding. Yes. I still want to play it, but my understanding is XCOM 2 is basically an answer to that. Yes. Like, what if gamers couldn't do that? Mm-hmm. And th- there's, you know, always the same thing with Bloodborne. Like, there's the argument that that is uh, degenerate play and it's not good. But, mm-hmm. you know, the fun I have doing it is real. Yeah. No. Um, <laughs> like, you know? Uh, you know, and just, yeah, I, I, like, I'm able to do it. 
And if I can yeah. manage the uh, if, I, if I can manage the disincentives you put in, then I don't know. It's kind of like I'm doing the challenge run now, huh, punk? Yeah, yeah, huh? <laughs> I'm, gonna my, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the uh, always put... use the shield uh, thing on my resume for Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, this, so this is important. I mentioned uh, Overwatch turtling. Uh, XCOM does have an Overwatch system. I'm not sure if, it, if it's the first game to call it that. Like this was present in um, Shadowrun as well. Yeah, well, in the 90s. XCOM, there's Overwatch. Okay, yeah, I wasn't sure yeah. if, they, if they called it that. Uh, but with yeah. this, what this does is, well, you know, if you don't want to use your firing action during your turn, you can say, hey, fire whenever you see an enemy move. Um, mm-hmm. And that lets you, you know, take a shot at an enemy when they leave cover, uh, which yeah. usually, like, so they say that this comes at a slight disadvantage to accuracy. Um, that will almost always be outweighed by the benefit that you get by getting them out of cover. Well, getting them out of cover, and then it also allows some asynchronous yes. actions. You know, like you're basically getting a free action. It costs ammo, mm-hmm. and you do it at the opportunity cost of not like reloading or hunkering down, mm-hmm. which is the safer option. Like uh, Overwatch ended up for me being like a very contextual move. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have anything else to do, or I was trying to cover for somebody specifically, yeah. Like I would do Overwatch. Like I didn't really do an Overwatch <laughs> crawl generally, mm-hmm. but Overwatch ended up being very useful mm-hmm. for that specific. Yeah, reason. It's hilarious if you set multiple people to Overwatch in the same kind of region of a map, and then like when one sectoid, you know, just the basic yeah. alien steps out, Hello. like seven people, like. <laughs> Man, I we were going to talk about it. In the the you know, but when I got mind control uh, in this, and I knew somebody's time was almost up, uh-huh. like preparing the firing squad around them with Overwatch, <laughs> so for when that guy wakes up from his mind control coma and is just surrounded on all angles. That's so good. It's really fun. Um, But yeah, Overwatch is important. Um, There are some systems, you know, XCOM 2 discourages this kind of turtling. Also, there are systems in this game that do, Mm -hmm. um, specifically a type of mission that we'll talk about in the second half. And then meld canisters, which are part of the enemy within. Yes. Um, This is a way that you can get this resource that you use for the two uh, special soldier types Mm -hmm. um, that you get. And they self-destruct after a number of turns. So a lot of times, uh, you know, you're encouraged to move forward in the map to uncover them once you uncover them they have a little counter above them for how long they'll stick around if you don't get to them in time uh you'll lose that that resource Mm -hmm. but rushing to them can sometimes trigger more pods so again that constant risk reward Mm -hmm. uh choice that you're being asked to make in xcom yeah um i didn't make a note of this but it is an important system thank you for reminding me of it gary you do have ammo um -hmm. it is not like a maximum number of shots you can do within a mission it's uh it's clips Right. So when you run out of ammo, you end up having to use one of your actions, uh, one of your attack action rather, rather to uh, to reload. Uh, this yep. can fuck you. <laughs> yeah, like, I love how it like doesn't matter until all of a sudden it really fucking matters. Yeah. Like, it's it's, it's like running it. out of toilet paper. <laughs> it's very similar to running out of toilet paper. And it's like somebody who is like definitely wiped my ass with a sock uh-huh. as a kid. You know, I understand. Yep. It's not great. It's not great. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, yeah, so that, that ammo thing, they're also ammo is a resource. So there are certain abilities that we use more ammo or use all of your ammo. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that, so it kind of just operates as a, there's also an ability you can do to make the enemy run out of ammo. So they have to reload. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, kind of an all purpose, uh, equivalent of like stunning almost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a little bit offset. Uh, most of your character classes have the ability to equip a sidearm along with their main weapon. Yep. Um, and switching back and forth between your pistol and your assault rifle or your shotgun ends up being an important decision uh, to be able to make. A free action. I, I got very little out of the pistols. 
Yeah. But there are like pistol builds. There are ways, mm-hmm. there are situations in which they're good. Yeah. Um, so successful actions and complete missions, uh, primarily killing aliens, mm-hmm. grants experience to your units. Um, as your units rise in rank, they become more capable and valuable. They unlock different uh, abilities and kind of an either or tech tree mm-hmm. uh, for them, ability tree. And uh, the big thing is that their will, their aim, and their movement stats increase. Yeah. Um, this is really huge. Yeah. They will generally be more capable. Uh, the two hit and two critical percentage chance between like a captain and a rookie um, is uh, gigantic. Yeah, aim is huge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, just, like just hitting your things that you you know the game doing what you ask it to do <laughs> is something you want to control for. Yeah, um, and will ends up being incredibly important as well, not just to this mm-hmm. network as the co-host of everything to Guppy, but also uh, as a stat in this game. Um, if, you know, will determines your, uh, whether or not a unit will panic when something bad happens. So like if they take a critical hit and don't die, uh, they may panic or if they witness an ally's death, uh, they'll mm-hmm. panic as well. And that takes away your ability to command them the next turn. And they will like automatically do something possibly stupid. Sometimes they'll run and take cover and hunker down. Other times they'll run out into the middle of nowhere and take a pot shot at somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, to, you know, to, the other thing uh, this stops makes you less likely to be mind controlled, mm-hmm. having high will, which is huge. Yeah, because uh, mind control is a big deal. The other thing is, I, I guess, reading about this um, in earlier versions of the game, a really common panic action was to shoot your squad mates, <laughs> uh, and they tone that way down. It still happens occasionally. It still happens. I've had it happen, but it's 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 much rarer than it used to be, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, so when a, a unit is down. Um, well, there's kind of two different things that can happen. Yes. Um, they can either just die. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a damage threshold. If enough damage is done past their like zero point. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they can be downed and you have a limited number of terms to reach the body and stabilize them with a health kit. Mm-hmm. Um, this is health kits are one use unless you without outside those upgrades. Mm-hmm. So this is a big deal. Yeah. Like stabilizing them as opposed to healing a unit that's still up and fighting mm-hmm. is, again, a risk reward. You know, I want both those options. Yes. And I only get one. That is where interest <laughs> lies in right. video games. Yeah. And stabilizing is not reviving. It's not like yeah. you're going to put your own piece back on the board. You are basically using a turn in order to not lose the progress that you've put into possibly a veteran soldier. Yes. Um, I eventually started feeling really bad at how expendable at how expendable rookies were. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. gotta throw people away yeah. you know, again shades of darkest dungeon like this game mm-hmm. is is to treat you to look at the greater good yeah um the greater the, uh, good the greater good when an enemy is hurt uh they go out of commission for a certain number of days depending on how badly they're hurt when when, when, so, when an ally soldier is hurt or when an ally yeah mm-hmm. i mean maybe it happens to the enemies too yeah, now. <laughs> they, they, they're blown up in pieces and they yeah, just, they just, just scra- scrape them off the pavement yeah you'll Put be reconstituted a muton too um yeah. So the but yeah, when one of your one of your soldiers does this, so mm-hmm. you're encouraged to like, you know, just taking a wound is not uh, you're not healed up mm-hmm. the full automatically at the end. Like taking a wound is a big deal, means you likely cannot use that soldier next time. Mm-hmm. Um, this also plays into the upgrades, which we'll talk about. But like soldiers can get benched for a little bit. Yeah. And uh, this is something you have to keep in mind uh, until you've developed a, a deep enough roster mm-hmm. to where you can always cover. Yeah. And what's nice about this is generally you'll have a percentage of your dudes who are just, you know, still in the med bay 
when the next mission uh, procs, right? Uh, when it becomes yeah. available. So this is like a natural rotation to, you know, basically recirculate your, your dudes so they will, uh, so that you will have both a deep bench and a broad bench. Yeah. Yeah. Have, have, have like, you know, by the end of the game, have at least, you know, 12, 16 pretty good guys. Mm hmm. You know, pretty pretty decent. There's also a, go, a cool system for uh, working around this, which is the uh, the mechs that you can get, the, <laughs> bolts, the shivs. Uh, those are part of this as well. So, like, if you, there are a couple of times where, like, I just, man, I, I had a bad mission last time. Mm -hmm. Too many of my people are injured. I have to throw out a robot. Yeah. You know, my my the old robot that I have uh, on the squad has to go out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. Send out your little battle bot. <clears throat> Um, so the other half of this, the, uh, the base development, kind of managing your base and managing the world's panic levels, mm -hmm. um, are part of this. So at the beginning of the game, uh, you select a continent where XCOM will be headquartered. Um, if you're doing the tutorial, which is kind of a bummer because I did it because I wanted to see it for the content yeah. to talk about it, you have limited choices. You can only do Europe or North America. Mm -hmm. Um, but this choice is important because the, uh, different continents confer these different advantages. Yes. So, like, doing it, uh, setting up in Africa gives you more cash um, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, I believe, uh, like, North America, like, cuts your, um, like, Air Force. It's Air Force. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Europe gives you more, uh, gives you easier access to scientists. And, like, research mm -hmm. is cheaper. I, uh, so after my first one, after I saw the tutorial and did my next two runs, um, ultimately did South America. Uh, mm -hmm. because they have a, you know, it's a questionably named perk called we have, we have ways, uh, which makes alien autopsies and interrogations instant, uh, yeah. which really, really speeds up the early game tech, uh, tech tree. It can definitely, uh, help you out a lot. I think that if, if, uh, you're not doing the tutorial, I would do that or the one that gives you more cash. Yeah. You know, uh, all in, I think is the name of that one. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, cause money is going to be really tight. Yeah. Early on. Um, you can get these advantages other ways as well. Mm -hmm. um, you get them either by choosing your home base or by getting total satellite coverage. Right. Of, uh, of those different, uh, different continents. And we'll talk about all the different benefits and stuff and a little bit more about that later. Yes. Um, so your base comes with some, uh, some facilities by default. Um, like on normal, you have a barracks and you've got the officer training area, which lets you uh, kind of do some personnel based uh, research and upgrades. Uh, but for everything else, you need to excavate and expand it. Uh, uh, the base is seen from a side view, kind of like a dollhouse or an ant farm. Uh, think mm -hmm. like fallout shelter or something like that. Yeah, I was just about to bring up fallout shelter, yeah. except good. Yeah, right. Like, except worth you your know. time. Yeah. Um, and money. Yeah. Um, you know, and this this is uh, these different uh, kind of buildings you build in here in this level are going to put a cap on what you can do. You know, um, everything you do within the base takes time, which advances really slowly unless you're in the situation room scanning for activity, mm -hmm. which advances time quickly. Um, this is when random missions can pop up. Right. So basically, you set your base to build and research and interrogate uh, things, and then you uh, go to this area and wait for aliens to show up to kill them to pass <laughs> the time. Right. Yeah, that's something to do. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They got to go. It's a very satisfying loop. I don't know. Just like watching the globe spin. Uh, it looks it, great. The sound. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but in general, you know, especially at the beginning, your resources are extremely limited. Uh, you get paid by the council at the end of each month, uh, kind of according to your performance and how many satellites you have up. 
Um, they also give you new personnel uh, as it goes, scientists and um, and engineers. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, and uh, uh, you, you are also paid depending on like which missions you select. Different missions will have different yeah. rewards. Well, and you'll get uh, your payment will depend on uh, kind of overall performance as well. So it's like which missions you take. And also uh, they really hate it uh, if you let aliens go. Yes. You know, uh, I underdeveloped my Air Force uh, pretty badly. Mm -hmm. So there was like a month where like I and, and you get a little great at this. The guy comes in and gives you an attaboy mm -hmm. and it taps into your school part of your brain. You know, yeah, you're just yeah. like, yeah, yeah, I'm a good boy. <laughs> um, the uh, and I got one one month. I got a D. Uh oh. And I was like, oh, man, they're like, well, confident you'll improve. And I'm like, well, thank you. Why does this feel so bad? <laughs> great. You great. Me evaluate you me. Know? I'm <laughs> smart. I'm sorry. I'm ever so good. I'm supposed to put Captain Crunch in here, but I just put in berries. So that will also determine kind of your cash and your grade Yeah. from this. Uh, it doesn't lead to a fail condition directly. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. Um, so one thing that will definitely limit your growth is the need to power your base. You're going to want to be building generators pretty much all the time. Um, and also like tearing down, um, tearing down your old generators to replace them with more uh, effective ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, there are also like steam vents where you can build uh special, like super, super effective, um, uh, super effective generators, generators, like geothermal generators, but you have to, uh, excavate all the way down. Right. Yeah. Um, I never tore down a building. Um, yeah. I didn't replace them. I ended up having enough space, um, partly because I was very uh, intentional about synergy. Right. Um, placing facilities next to each other will give them each bonus bonuses and make them perform better. Mm -hmm. So like having, uh, you know, your satellite nexuses next to each other will make them better. Having your resource la research labs mm -hmm. near each other will make them better, et cetera. Yeah. So it takes some planning. Like you want to actually be a little intentional. You can't really be willy nilly with this stuff. Right. You want to build your little uh, research district in your hammock district. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so development is also gated by the number of scientists and engineers that you have available. Uh, this was one of the things that really fucked me early on uh, yeah. was specifically a lack of engineers. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I know, uh, right? We'll say, <laughs> say the world, learn to code. Learn to code. Yeah. <laughs> so XCOM, learn to code. <laughs> um, and that's like particularly because. Like a major goal at the beginning of the game that I wish was underlined a little bit more uh, is that satellite coverage is going to make or break you. Satellites are really poorly explained in this game. Right, right. Like not only in terms of what they do, but also how important they are because they uh, they kind of do double duty. Mm -hmm. One, um, it's, you know, countries with satellites won't experience abductions. Mm -hmm. You can find aliens around there, mm -hmm. uh, do that. And then putting up a satellite mitigates panic. Yes, it will immediately um, lower panic and make it grow more slowly. And that's really, really important. And one of the weird things about this is, like, even if you could start the game with just satellite coverage over everything, mm -hmm. you probably don't want to because you, you want that release valve when mm -hmm. it's tactically necessary. Yeah, um, They will give you a mission where it's like, hey, here's two areas that are at max panic. Uh, hello, I'm Max Panic. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> like, which, which one do you choose? You can only choose one. Again, that's XCOM's trick. You mm -hmm. want both, but you can only have one. Um, and you choose one, and then you can maybe throw a, uh, you know, since nations don't leave the council until the end of the month, yeah. you can throw a satellite on the other. 
Right. It's really expensive. It takes a lot. You know, you have the turning radius of a battleship. Like mm-hmm. it is, uh, it takes a lot of prep. But if you can do that, you can cover your bases really effectively mm-hmm. and kind of mitigate that choice. Yeah. So like uh, early on, I basically prioritize this to where like to like to go from nothing to having a satellite up it used to take like a month and a half um but if you prioritize getting engineers and scientists you can speed up every piece of development you can build more uplinks you can build more power to get these there and like eventually by the end of like the second or third month i had the ability to uh launch two satellites at the end of the month wherever they were most needed yeah yeah well and 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 doing this so like you know obviously always be building a satellite yeah you know but the, but the other thing is um doing that and spending your money on that and choosing to do the missions that give you additional engineers and researchers mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to money means outfitting your crew a little worse yeah because buying them these guns you've researched is going to cost money again mm-hmm. xcom is constantly saying here are two things i know you want <laughs> both of them which one do you want more yeah you know, yeah, and that is, that is a good gameplay mechanic. <laughs> um, um, satellites are also like mathematically necessary too, because you are presented with three options. They're always on different continents. Um, the one that you do w- will reduce the panic on that continent by one. The pan the the panic on every other continent will increase by two notches every every yeah. time. So, like if you are not working on satellites, you cannot mi- uh, mitigate the panic just by taking uh, abductions. It is a losing game. Yeah. Yep, it's it's designed to lose. Um, so a country will leave the council when their panic level maxes out. Mm-hmm. Um, only at the end of the month will they leave the council, and that will raise global panic. And mm-hmm. if global panic maxes out, you lose the game. Yeah. Um, it is not a fail condition to lose some countries. No. Like it will happen. I lost uh, Argentina. Oh yeah. Goodbye Argentina, and it, it's uh, and Brazil. I think are the two there. Those are the only ones I managed to get through the game with only losing two countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lost a couple countries. I lost Australia, man. Ah, uh, not Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- down under, it's all uh, yeah, it's it's all sectoids now. Commander, uh, <laughs> nobody's nerfing. <laughs> yeah, and if you, like you, you, like you will still occasionally get missions in those places after a place leaves a uh, leaves the council. Its mission or you know its map will be reskinned to be far more destroyed. Like it, bad stuff like happens. Paperboy. Yeah, they don't it, it is like paperboy. <laughs> yeah, I should have canceled your subscription to XCOM. <laughs> Idiots. Yeah, <laughs> they got Tombstone Yard. <laughs> um, and, and somehow your Cape Cod turned into a Victorian mansion. Weird. Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, Global Pandemic X. You have something called the Doom Counter. <laughs> yeah, just That's love great. it. It's so board gamey. Yeah. Like every Call of Cthulhu game has that. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, there is a aerial combat system in the game that is dumb. Yeah. Uh, and I generally found just to be like a weird resource drain. And it was my, you know, I ignored it for way too long, which ended up causing the game to run longer than it should have. Yeah. Because I needed to, to grind up the ability to make super jets. But mm-hmm. this is dumb, I think. Um, it's the weakest part of the game by a lot. Yeah. It's just uh, it's like it's, it's not rare. fun to interact with, and there's very little like decision making that happens here. Yeah, it doesn't happen very often either. Right. It's so like superfluous. Like I I don't know if this is in two, but if they brought this over unchanged into two, I'd be very surprised if this was not either eliminated or made more robust. Yeah, I've never heard somebody say this is their favorite part of XCOM. Mm-mm. Yeah. No. 
Um, so what happens is you have your satellites. Uh, if you have satellites in a certain area, they can scan for an alien ship. Mm -hmm. So when you're scanning for activity, sometimes you just find missions on the ground, but sometimes you see a UFO. Mm -hmm. um, if you have an interceptor, which are your, your fighter jets mm -hmm. um, in that country, because uh, you're kind of encouraged to keep fighter jets on every continent that you have satellites on, mm -hmm. um, you can send them out to shoot down the UFO. Right. Which is this weird little, it's like the type of game that would be played on a VMU. Yeah, that's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, it's really weird. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of auto fight. Mm -hmm. And you have little, like, bonus items you can throw them to, uh, to, to make them better. Yeah, it's like single-use items that say, hey, the next four shots are going to hit, or you will dodge the next, you know, X number of shots, which, yeah. like, are good, and getting your plane shot down is bad insofar as it's a failure, but it's just not fun to interact with. No. Yeah. And there, there's other elements of this, too. Like, the idea is the UFOs outmatch you initially by quite a bit. Um, until you get put some time into this. So there's this whole element of uh, having, you know, withdrawing your fighter jet, but then sending another one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the the UFO will retain damage. Mm -hmm. um, but this is based on tracking. You have a chance to track the enemy. There's one of those little consumable items will do that for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't like this. No. Uh, it's just like a weird money suck. And like when I had time to put money into it, like I did. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, it made the game go on longer. Uh, than it would have ordinarily, but it also, the reason why I didn't engage with it, because I didn't think it was very fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and about, like, uh, halfway through to two-thirds of the way through, uh, you start encountering um, stronger UFOs. So that is a real test on, like, hey, have you been upgrading the weapons and stuff? Uh, but, like, you know, doing an autopsy or doing an interrogation and getting, like, oh, here's a new here's a new missile for the so-and-so. Here's a Scorpion missile. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of lame. It's not super fun. <laughs> And the month I got my D ranking was because I ended up leaving the uh, alien mothership. Yeah. Like I kept running into it and then trying not to, because my ships kept dying. It's like, well, I haven't built the super ship. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. I would need you, to find more weapon fragments. Would you, would you be happier if I sent all of my men into a thresher? Yeah. I was like, I can I, do I that. I sold all my weapon fragments to Horny Carl. <laughs> he paid me a one, whatever this unit of currency is. Yeah. In order to see what it'd be like to fuck a weapon fragment. Yeah. I need the money because you guys didn't pay me. You buy plasma <laughs> rifles for the whole team. Give me the fuck alone. Jeez. Oh, um, um, <laughs> so uh, shooting down the UFO always leads to a UFO crash mission. Um, yep. Both these and the UFO landing missions very lucrative. I uh, will talk about those in the mission types. Yeah, but and and generally more adva advantageous than the abduction missions, mm -hmm. which is if you fail to do this, right? Uh, which you don't get as many resources from. Mm -hmm. um, so the game has a fairly robust tech tree mm -hmm. and your success uh long term is going to be largely dependent on this yes uh killing enemies allows you to autopsy them um stunning them allows you to interrogate them both of which can give you different research uh projects or research credits yes love those uh, research credits yeah feels good mm -hmm. um and, and also like capturing enemies feels very good uh like anytime a new one shows up it's like all right there's a pokemon i gotta get yeah yeah and a little cutscene that you get you know of them like being really angry inside the cage mm -hmm. is just satisfying and fun no of course and also you get, like, keep Magneto or something <laughs> uh, you also get like a good little like description of the alien biology so it's a little bit like a like a monster manual entry yeah uh which yeah. i'm way into 
Uh, so these will almost always yield a new item uh, for you to use either in the tactical or aerial combat. If there isn't a new item that you can research, build, or buy, uh, then uh, it will give you a bonus, uh, like we said, to like a category of, of, of research that you would do later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so these are built, once you've researched an item and have the plans for it, they're built by engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, items and armor, like weapons, armor, and items are built instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and these basically have three tiers. Um, it's like conventional to laser to plasma. Yes. Um, are the three tiers on all these things. They're huge improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a really common complaint when people die in this game or, or fall off of it um, is that they're not kind of rushing plasma weapons. Right. Um, because the, you know, the best defense is good offense. Like mm-hmm. you need to be able to take out aliens. Yeah. And later aliens who have like 20 hit points, mm-hmm. 20, 25 hit points, like you need to be able to get through that without before they kill your guys yeah like if you do not have laser weapons by the time you start encountering your first chrysalids you are in extremely deep trouble yeah rough stuff yes um there's also the foundry which allows you to improve uh passively items that already exist mm-hmm. and generally as well as do some other stuff yeah yeah like that's yeah, where right. you will uh build your shivs the uh, yep. little drones you can make mm-hmm. yeah um and of course, all of this requires money, but we mentioned some other ways that you could get paid. Um, as you advance the timeline, you can actually get these uh, requests from different countries that are like, hey, can we get some, can, can we get some of those alien grenades off of you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but these are almost always things that you can manufacture and you will always sell them at a tidy profit. Yeah. It's, it's generally a good idea if you have the ability yeah. to make the things there there is you no just, moral uh, like side of being an arms dealer no no no. the gray market is good it's not the black market it's the gray yeah. market i love that they um, call it the gray market gray is like aliens clever. yeah very good very cute <laughs> um and the 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 kind of trade-off of this you're doing it for money but building these things costs not only money but also resources yeah um the two video weapon fragments are one of them um alien alloy is one of them and illyrium is a big one Yes. Um, which is the alien energy source. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also what you're using to um, build certain buildings mm-hmm. or upgrade soldiers in certain ways. So, again, XCOM saying, hey, you want this stuff? You want all of it. Mm-hmm. You only get one. <laughs> right. You know, so all of these things have multi purposes. Um, like, yes, you can sell a bunch of Thin Man corpses to, to Horny Carl. Yeah. To like, you know, to try out. But at the same time, like, you know, I might need those to build uh, mimetic skin or something. Yeah. Or to make uh, to, you know, to make gas grenades uh, is another yeah. big one of these. And like this can unintentionally fuck you, especially if you sell the bodies of an early uh, enemy that pops up because uh, yeah. you're going to stop encountering those as often. Yes. Yeah. Then men become less. They become much less common later on yes uh other than council missions where they show up like gangbusters for some reason of course um the council will send you on special missions those always have good rewards or they're kind of like plotty yeah yeah. you know they're not connected to the main plot but they feel more plot-ish yeah. they'll have like a voiced npc in it yeah yeah tend to be a little you know tend to be fun mm-hmm. um and then when there are abductions you get to choose multiple ones the aliens always abduct in threes mm-hmm um, we talk, kind of talked about how the, the panic differential, uh, you'll get rewards for that. It's usually 200 uh, currency um, for scientists or for engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you'll get an upgraded unit, though, which is another way that the game kind of makes it so you're less likely to just fuck yourself over. If you you know, have lost your veteran heavy, mm-hmm. uh, which is a bummer, um, you might get a mission that offers you one. Yeah. And you just get a, a fully trained unit kind of right from the start. Mm hmm. Um, and what's good is their upgrades have not been decided already. So you can yes. 
shape them immediately uh, when you add them into your crew. Yeah, because there's definitely uh, the upgrades, you know, generally there are only a few like absolute duds. Uh, generally, mm-hmm. they're just going to fit your play style. Yes. So for me, there is like a canon version of every class. Like there's just the upgrades I prefer that match mm-hmm. my general play style. Yeah. Um, and not having to uh, get around, you know, work with those other ones is useful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. If you don't pick squad site, you're a cop. No, Scott, squad site's very good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I actually have a sniper without that uh, mm-hmm. just because I wanted to try it. Yeah. Since squad side is so good. Yeah. Oh. Cool. Uh, it's okay. It's I mean, it's good. It, it's a different way of playing a sniper. Like it's, you bring snipers in with the crew. Yeah. As and they end up back. being, instead of like hanging back and they end up being this weird utility thing to do high damage uh, and also use their scouting grenade more. Yes. And I love their scouting grenade. Mm, I never so use like, that. It's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, scouting is not easy in this game, mm-hmm. you know, as, as we'll talk about uh, in the second half. So like there, there's a use case for the non squad site. It's not as good, mm-hmm. but it's not like just dog shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so. a preview of, uh, of, of the second half of the episode. Yep. Uh, just, just being like, this is good. I never used it. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can be more argumentative. How yeah, dare you not pick squad site? <laughs> like, you know, whatever gets the people at the Patreon door. Man. Okay. All right. We got, we got to shake our money makers. Commander. Uh, yeah. Put on these pasties, commander. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the development. Yeah. Uh, so there are a few different types uh, attempts to update XCOM. After its initial heyday in the mid '90s, uh, the mid '90s XCOM games are really playable, mm-hmm. uh, really fun, like absolute all-time classic bangers. Like those games are so good. Um, I prefer this one because of ease of use and because uh, the presentation matters. But like, if a version of this show where we only did the '90s XCOM would have also been all right. Yeah, yeah. If we did, if we did Enemy from the Deep or whatever it is. Well, yeah. that one's really hard. Yeah, I did, like cannot. Yeah, that that one's really cool because it's Lovecraftian <laughs> undersea shit. But like, yeah. God, that one's hard. Yeah. The original uh, XCOM though is pretty well balanced, mm-hmm. like, and uh, has a lot of familiar stuff to this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like after that heyday, like XCOM reboots kind of became infamous uh, vaporware, uh, specifically something called XCOM Alliance, which was an attempt to make this into like a uh, tactical first-person shooter. Uh, the way that I saw it, uh, the way that I saw the gameplay described made it seem a little bit like Rainbow Six, which sure. might have might have been fun. Um, uh, maybe, maybe I don't know. It <laughs> wouldn't know. be it wouldn't be more fun than the strategy game. <laughs> uh, but that went through like three different teams at Microprose between 1995 and 2002 uh, before it uh, ultimately before Microprose ultimately folded and the um uh, i consumed by macro poetry <laughs> it's opposite number oh gosh yeah just uh oof. i don't know how to plus one that so i'll continue haiku. <laughs> <laughs> yeah haiku uh, kaiju haiku there kaiju there we are yeah there we go oh. uh, so <laughs> uh but the ip then went to atari yeah yep um so the uh eventually uh 2k mm-hmm. purchased it from atari and set about to make another shooter beginning in 2005, which would eventually become the Bureau XCOM Declassified. Right. Um, this went through a lot of different phases. The Wikipedia entry for this game is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, developed by 2K Marin, who I have a lot of affection for because of Bioshock 2. Right. Um, ended up in, in their hands. So I was kind of interested in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a really bad reputation. Yeah. Announced in 2010, came out in 2013. It is a third person uh, kind of tactical shooter mm-hmm. um, that is a period piece in the 60s. Yeah. Which I think is a cool idea. Yep. Um, but apparently the AI on your units is so bad as to be like 
nigh unplayable is what I've read. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be curious to try it out. I would also be curious if somebody had modded it to make it, uh, to make it more functional. That'd be cool. Just given how enthusiastic this, uh, the, this community is. Oh yeah. 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 But, uh, but the Bureau X kind of classified just, you know, it was extremely disappointing, like from its announcement, uh, and led to just all kinds of drama and stuff. Uh, but this version had actually begun, began develop, development in 2008, uh, kind of just with the intention of making a more faithful version of the original titles from the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- this is uh, largely because the, the lead designer of this game, Jake Solomon, mm-hmm. was a big fan of the XCOM games as a child. Right. Um, and every other Friday, the team set aside time to play the original. Um, this is, you know, we talk about uh, like our remake, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like all time best remakes. Mm hmm. This is up there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, like, I haven't spent very much time with the originals, but like the, like the actual product of this is very good. And everything that I have read, like including the opinion of uh, what's the name? Gollop, uh, the original yeah, yeah. D- d- designer, makes this seem very, very faithful. It's incredibly faithful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, it went through uh, a bunch of different revisions, kind of sanding it down um, uh, through these iterations, mostly to make it feel right on both PC and console. Uh, just giving it a wider release to justify its huge budget um, mm-hmm. and uh, to accomplish this and to make sure that, that that it felt right. They didn't just keep on playing the original. They also developed a board game version of XCOM with the help mm-hmm. of Sid Meier to kind of like rapidly prototype the game systems. Yeah. And it feels like a board game. Yes. You know, in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. uh, which is a good feel to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, music was composed by Michael McCann, who is the composer behind Human Revolution. Mm-hmm. which we have done. Um, and the music's good. Very good. In, in XCOM. Um, the game's visual style is influenced by action figure design. Um, the game looks really good. It does, yeah. Color design you know, is fantastic. Yep, really, really good. The alien design is really good. There's tons of detail. Mm-hmm. Um, the characters don't look like people. They don't look realistic. No. no. Uh, to me, especially like... It's real weird naming them all after like my friends and network people who are all like ectomorphs and endomorphs respectively. <laughs> right. And then you know, it's like we, we range the, the, the gamut of weight classes from Nick Glauber to Will Hughes and nothing in between. <laughs> um, and the, um, but then having them all be these Gears of War style beef boys mm-hmm. uh, in bulky armor. But they just look they look good. Mm-hmm. There's tons of detail like the, uh, the the way that the aliens act. Uh, when they do things, there's all these little things I was uh, looking at online, like the zombie uh, things that you get from the chrysalids will start bleeding from the mouth before they burst. It's very good. I'm like, that's a really cool detail. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it? And then and above, you know, just because I want to draw a big line under it. Um, mm-hmm. Those destructible environments do so much fucking work. Mm-hmm. Like these spaces look really lived in and good. Yeah. Um, I would love to explore them in first person, you know, in addition to exploring them in this kind of like action figure view mm-hmm. and watching them kind of explode and burst. Uh, just looks absolutely incredible. There's a mission that is part of the DLC, uh, which we'll talk about in the second half, that just is, like, you're basically in Xavier's mansion, mm-hmm. uh, blowing it up, and it it's really fun. Yeah. So, good shit. Yeah. Extremely good presentation. Yeah. Um, so, both Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within have really active modding scenes. Uh, the most well-known uh, is an expansive one called Long War. Uh, which brings forward a lot of um, a lot of features from the original series, uh, kind of uh, builds things out and makes base development um, a little bit more robust. Uh, and that is kind of considered to be a canonical playthrough for a lot of folks. Yep. I can see myself trying it for yep. sure. Um, some of those mods were actually released through the developer and something called like the, this, I think the second wave 
what's it called second yeah option, yeah second so, yes yeah, so this is second second wave i think is what it's called i said it i said it earlier yeah um a lot of those kind of specific tweaks were always in the game's kind of ability and were done for modders and then got officially added yeah so you can kind of tweak this down that's where you can make real saves coming um some of them are advantageous most of them are challenge mode mm-hmm. kind of thing so giving aliens like reaction shots in the first turn they see you yeah, uh, which they generally cannot do. They usually just scramble for cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is is one of those things that uh, modders put in, and also the game developers actually incorporate into the game. Mm-hmm. So, um, so both Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within reviewed really, really well. You know, considered to be the best strategy games, kind of of that <laughs> of that era of that part of the uh, the twenty first century um and yeah won tons of rewards and things like that including like julian gallup gallup like we said uh the designer of the original uh, xcom was really pleased with it uh but kind Mm -hmm. of you know bemoaned the loss of you know certain systems yeah it's sanded down a little bit yeah yeah. like it's still you know on the video game curve this is incredibly robust and complex Mm -hmm. on the xcom curve it is less so right you know but I, i think this actually is almost entirely additive like i like the, where this lands mm-hmm. you know this is this is not on grognardy yeah. like you can be as grognardy as you want to be on this shit yeah you can so, really really sweat the small stuff here yeah um so it, it hits that balance really really well for me mm-hmm. um we mentioned there's a sequel xcom 2 um which was less well received is my understanding until they released an expansion for that yeah yeah the expansion uh, sounds really cool um uh, basically awesome. it puts you up against enemy hero units Yep. Sounds really, really good. And the plot is really neat. Yeah. Um, it flips the script. Like instead of being uh, you know, the 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 aliens basically win. Yeah. And like what, it, what it, is it like to be a terrorist? It takes place in an alternate timeline where the aliens took over Earth's government, kind of just kind of became a Vichy government, uh, mm-hmm. you know, capitulating to them, and you act as like the resistance, trying to go from nothing to reclaiming Earth for yourself. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I 1,000% have an XCOM 2 playthrough in me, assuming I don't die. <laughs> Same. Like, I, I just, uh, it sounds really, really cool to me, and I'm I'm just absolutely goo-goo for XCOM right now. Mm-hmm. Because it's tactics year on 2020 WAF. It was real hard to stop but, playing this. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's one of those ones that got under my skin. Mm-hmm. Good feeling. Um, so that's going to be it for this part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're gonna be talking about mission types, enemy types, hero units, things like that, and the general shape of the plot of the game in the second half, which is for patrons. Mm-hmm. If you're hearing this, uh, this is on the public feed. We appreciate you listening. Yeah. If you would like to hear the full episode and uh, another 12 episodes or 11 episodes of uh, premium full watch out for fireballs. Uh, content mm-hmm. hit us up at patreon.com slash duckfeed tv yep if you're curious what the kind of full slate of offerings is um at the tier where you would get this premium episode go to five to see um everything uh including all the waff episodes the unfilmable episodes and the uh you know most recent seasons of bonfireside chat yep yeah we know your money's valuable we want you to feel good about spending it we want to give you a lot of stuff in return yeah and you get it all at once <laughs>